Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us breath, giving us a voice to sing to you. God, thank you for these that you've gifted in playing instruments that they could lead us with song and music to praise you. God, I thank you for words that were written that point us to you and the truth of you. God, I thank you for just these next few moments. We're desiring for you to speak to us. God, that you would continue to shape and mold us and mature us into your likeness through transforming our lives, through washing away sin, God, through clothing us with your righteousness. God, I pray that you would continue to work in our lives. And God, as it's already been prayed this morning, I'm going to pray again that if there are people in this room who have heard the gospel a thousand times, or if there are people in this room who have only heard it once, God, may it change our lives today. May we be just in awe with fear of who you are, God, of how great you are. God, we thank you that though you are mighty and all-powerful, that you still seek to show us grace and mercy and kindness and compassion. God, though that we are deserving of death for even one sin, God, you are merciful enough to provide a way for us to be cleansed of our sin. So God, would you this morning increase our knowledge of you, let us be filled with the knowledge of your will, God, would you give us wisdom and spiritual understanding? Would you help us, as the psalmist talks about over and over again in Psalm 119, to be in love with your words, to treasure them, to abide in them, to put them in our heart and never let them never let them out of us? God, would you this morning help us to be equipped by your word so that we may be useful as we walk God, would you equip us so that we may walk worthy of the calling you've placed on our life, worthy of the gospel that you've entrusted us with. God, and also this morning, would you, as Satan has a desire to devour us and trap us and put guilt upon us, God, would you remind us that you have taken us out of darkness, you have redeemed us, You've called us son and daughters. You've adopted us. God, help us not to be led into temptation. God, this morning, as we study your scripture, would you deliver us from evil? God, would you make us alert and ready for action? God, as we talk about producing fruit this morning, God, would you help us mature in you so that through your Holy Spirit, Abiding in you, we can bear fruit that represents you and you alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
We live in a world full of information. You receive information constantly. If you have a smartphone or semi-smartphone, uh, you probably have notifications on your phone constantly updating you with, with uh, news or, or information that you're wanting or maybe you don't want to receive, but you still receive it. I'm terrible at this. Maybe you've already figured this out, but I have a number of unanswered Emails, a number of unanswered text, a number of unanswered notifications simply because uh, I put it in my pocket and just forget about it. Uh, yesterday and, and uh, days before that, the NFL draft happened. I don't know if you're familiar with the NFL at all. It's a football uh, league, American football, and they pay these guys to, to play. And uh, once a year they have a draft where they ask uh, college uh, students or college athletes to come and join their team. Hey, we're offering you this amount of money if you'll come and play for for our team. And constantly Friday and Saturday, my phone, because I made the mistake of uh, putting the notifications for the particular team that I like to follow, uh, constantly I got notification after notification after notification, information after information after information. Hey, your team got this player and he's great because of this and your team didn't get this player and we're so sorry that you're never going to win again. Those those types of things over and over and over again. This morning, maybe you woke up and you looked at the weather and you thought, hey, the weathermen and weather women are telling me that there is a chance that we may receive rain today. And some of you decide, what am I going to do with this information? Most of you are saying, I'm going to use experience. Weather men and women are liars. They have no idea what they're talking about. It is not going to rain today. We know all about when it will rain and when it will not rain. Most of you just use that experience to say, I'll wait and decide if I'm going to trust in the weatherman or weatherwoman when it actually happens. So with the world of information, you have to become these discerning people. You have to decide for yourself the information that's being given to you. Is it truth or is it a lie? We become these skeptical people. I mean, even around the coffee table or, or, the, or the breakfast table or as you're at work or, or you're around the water cooler and people start telling these stories, you have to decide, are the stories truth? If you're familiar, familiar with fishermen at all, uh, you know what I'm talking about. The fish that I caught... Was this big and the fish that David caught was this big you have to decide who's telling the truth Rylan and I went fishing yesterday he'll tell you that he caught more fish than me but I'll tell you the truth you have to decide who is it that's telling who is it that's telling the truth Christ warns us in this next passage of Scripture he warns us he just preached to us this sermon about what it looks like, how to model behavior in his kingdom. Those who belong to his kingdom will be acting this way. This is how you'll, you'll be able to identify people who are calling me Lord, who are part of my kingdom. This is how you will know my subjects in my kingdom. Those who confessed me as king, here's how they will be acting. And so we studied about these things, and it's taken us a long time. Though he preached it in one a sermon, we've broken it down because we are we, yet we little people. And so we broke it down for our wee little minds and said we will study this so that we can gain uh, the knowledge of God's will for our life, what it looks like to, to abide or live in his kingdom. And so Christ, at the end, towards the end of his sermon, he begins to warn us about false Prophets or false messengers, those who are coming to preach a message or tell us something about the kingdom possibly, but in fact what they're preaching is not the message of Jesus at all. They have a, an ulterior motive. 
They have a, a different reason for, for being a part of uh, the this, this situation that you're, that you're in. When Mandy and I first married, we went to school at a great school up in Canyon, Texas, named West Texas A&M University. And uh, we, we were freshly married, and because of that, uh, we, we had a small amount of income. And with that small amount of income, we had to be creative, particularly uh, with, uh, with meals. Okay, where's our next meal going to come from? Well, thankfully, in college, there's a bunch of people that have pity on college students. Zach's one of those now. He, uh, he has pity on college students, and so he wants to feed them free food. Well, on the campus of West Texas A&M, like a number of college campuses around our country, uh, there was a variety of free meals offered. One of those free meals uh, happened uh, a particular day of the week at, a, uh, at another denomination's college ministry called the Wesley. And Mandy and I showed up to the Wesley. It's a Methodist denomination organization. We showed up to the Wesley for, for lunch. And as we're standing in line, uh, ready to get our free meal, a gentleman approaches us and starts telling us about all the things that the Wesley has to offer. At the time, I was also employed by a church as an intern, as a college minister and a youth intern at a church. And so really all my time was filled up with taking classes, eating free lunches, and doing the work of the ministry there at the church in Amarillo. So the, the gentleman's telling us all about the great ministries that they have there at the Wesley. And Mandy and I are soaking in, uh, slowly moving forward <laughs> to get to the Sloppy Joes, because it seems like that's what's always made. And so we, we, uh, we slowly are creeping forward, and the guy's telling us, and you know, oh, you guys are a couple we'd love to have you we'd love to for maybe even you to teach a bible study oh it's great it's great it's great you know but hey i just want to admit to you i just need to tell you right here just be upfront with you i'm only here for the free food i appreciate all that you're telling me and i'm sure all the work that you're doing is a good work but i'm just going to be real with you i'm only here for the free food when Christ starts speaking about false prophets what we're wanting to see is them bearing fruit to why they're really here. What is their real message? What is the bottom line of what they're really about? If you remember at all, if you've taken any kind of notes, you remember that the bottom line or the central focus of the Sermon on the Mount is God's will being done. Thy will be done. The center of the Sermon on the Mount is thy will be done. When a false prophet comes in or false messenger comes in, the bottom line of their message is not God's will being done. The bottom line of their message or what the fruit will bear when we see who they truly are is their will being done. Instead of the Sermon on the Mount, it would be like in my particular case, if I was a false prophet, it would be Sermon on the Mat. It would be all about me. What is it that I'm preaching that's about me and not about Christ and his, his kingdom? We're wanting to discern and check out from the beginning, are these people, these false messengers, are they false? Is what they're teaching only about themselves and not about Christ and his, and his kingdom? So let's read this together. Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 15, we'll read through verse, we'll read through verse 20. Beware of false prophets, false messengers. Beware of them. Take caution. Look out for them. Beware that they may be here. Like when you go to the woods and you're camping, be aware that there may be bears and take precautions because of that. Look out for snakes or rattlesnakes when you're off the cap rock or on the cap rock. 
Be, be cautious. Know that they are there. Maybe you've got a, a tweet or a text or somebody saying, hey, be, be mindful that on our block we've had, we've had people breaking in and stealing things. Be mindful of us. Take the precautions because of that. So Jesus is warning those who were desiring to follow him. Beware that even though you're living in this righteous kingdom, your sins have been forgiven and it looks like perfection is here, that though, though that you have that perception, still be cautious. Beware that there are false prophets. And these false prophets, this is what he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but they are yet ravenous wolves, predatory wolves. What do we know about wolves and sheep? Do they get along? No. Do sheep want wolves in their flock? No. Do wolves want to be in sheep's flock? Yes. Why? Because they want to devour them. See, the end goal of a wolf dressing up like a sheep and invading the flock is to devour sheep. I feel like we often get confused with the intentions of evil. We're confused about it. Like oftentimes we just look at evil and say, oh, oh, they don't really mean harm. Oh, look at that. The wolves and the sheep are getting along. That's so great. Let's take a picture of that and post it on Facebook so everyone can see. See, don't be alarmed. Sheep and wolves, they love to play together. But that one wolf has that sheep in its mouth. Surely he's just playing with him. That's not the case. Do not be deceived by that. They do mean harm. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5.8 that Satan is looking to, for someone to devour, someone to eat, someone to destroy. In fact, John tells us in chapter 10 that the thief, through Christ, he tells us the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So, so I'm pretty sure that this means evil intends harm. And Christ is placing upon these false prophets the caution that we should be mindful of that false prophets aren't coming just to live among the sheep and cause no harm. But instead, false prophets have the idea to come and dress up like a sheep or a person who belongs to God in order to distract, to divide, and to devour, to steal, to kill, to destroy. This isn't someone wanting just to come and sit on the same pew with you and hang out with you and drink coffee. They don't have the same spirit living inside of you. That's those people who belong to God, who are a part of the kingdom of God, who have the spirit of God living inside of them. They have a different spirit living inside of them, a spirit who wants to destroy. So when Jesus begins talking about this, it's not just another fluffy moment, another precious moment. Let's put this on a coffee cup and let's be aware of this. This is a true caution. You feel this urge... If I'm going to be real with you this morning, you feel this urge when you watch the news and you hear of attacks on other people. You feel this urge when you hear of other religions trying to destroy our particular religion. You feel anxious. You decide, I'm going to take up arms. I'm going to prepare myself for battle. You begin to prepare, to train to watch out for. How will I know when the evil one is here? Yet when it comes to defending the truth, the absolute truth, you just brush it off. 
oh, I'll listen to this guy or this woman. Uh, it sounds familiar. It sounds similar. Surely it doesn't mean, uh, surely it won't be any harm to us that we're just listening to, uh, to some of the truth. It sounds uh, almost correctly or almost completely correct. But that's not the case here. Uh, Brian just mentioned to me about rat poison. You know, rat poison, he said, and I hope these, these uh, percentages are correct, but rat poison is, is really uh, 90 or a little bit more than 90%, uh, just, just good food. And then there's a small percentage of it that's actually poison. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. See, at first glance, they will give you the appearance as those belonging to God. So Christ urges us to wait for the tree to bear fruit. They appear to have the truth, yet their lives give evidence to a lie. This is where I see it play out the most. And this may, this may offend you somewhat, but this is where I see it play out the most. I see it play it out the most when it seems like it's the truth being taught, but it's so far from it. I see it playing out the most at funerals. People are hurting. People are grieving. People are looking for something to hold on to. People are looking for something to hope in. And so a messenger will get up and begin sharing a message, a message of hope, a message of life. Yet the message has nothing to do with Jesus. One day, if you'll do your best, you too can experience what they have. One day, if you'll do all these things and do this and do this and do this, you can experience the same things. All you have to do is do this and do this and do this and do this, and you too can have the hope of eternal life. Let me tell you, the gospel is clear. Not only can I have the hope of eternal life, but I can have eternal life because of the completed work of Jesus. A false prophet will tell you more. If you'll do this and do this and this and this and this, you can have this. But a prophet of Jesus will tell you Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus has completed the work. And because he has completed the work, we have hope of eternal life and we have eternal life. Anything preached other than Jesus is not the truth. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing and inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree that bears good fruit, but the diseased trees bear bad fruit. We live in the desert, you know. We have a few fruit trees around here. How often do those fruit trees produce fruit? Once a year in season? You have to wait for it. It won't just be right away. We often think that Satan is like, we'll use Brian's analogy, we think that Satan's like a mousetrap, and then immediately as you hear it and you take a bite of it, it kills you then. But maybe it's more like rat poison. You bite it and eat it and chew on it for a while, and then in the end, like the road that leads to destruction, will in the end lead to destruction. So we have to be a people who are discerning. We have to be people who are constantly studying God's truth. We have to be like the author of Psalm 119, meditating on God's word constantly so that we know what the truth is. When we hear a counterfeit gospel, we can immediately recognize it as counterfeit. 
We recognize it as false and it's not from God. It is, a, it is a gospel that is not preaching Jesus. It is preaching someone or something else. Instead of the Sermon on the Mount, again, it's the Sermon on the Mat. It's about me instead of about Christ. We do not want to be people who are deceived, who are led into temptation, but instead we pray, Thy will be done. Lord, help us not to be led into temptation. Let us study truth and hear from you the gospel, the true gospel message, the message of Jesus and Jesus alone. You know, uh, we were talking about ravenous wolves, predatory wolves. I grew up in a town that our mascot was the wolves. We prayed before our games, and maybe you were an athlete or still think you're an athlete, like some folks I know. And, uh, and so you, you like to pray before the games. And I remember thinking how odd it was when we sat there before the game and we're praying for a victory. Lord, help us destroy them. Help us win. Help us annihilate them. Let them not get a hit. Let them not get on base. If they do get a hit, it's by our pitcher who hit them. Let us destroy them. What a prayer. Lord, we're going to win this. Then I remember being on base, starting conversation, or maybe standing at, or behind the plate as catcher, starting conversation, and, hey, didn't we go to youth camp together? Yeah, we did. Oh, man, cool. I didn't know you, you played baseball. Yeah, man. So you're a believer too, huh? Yeah, I'm a believer. Huh. I just pray that the Lord will destroy you. That's awkward. I think a lot of times we get distracted by what the truth is. I mean, think about this for a moment. A true messenger of Jesus will not, will not be about praying that his enemies will be destroyed, but instead that his enemies would hear the gospel and be changed by it. Here's the crazy part of the gospel. These false prophets that Jesus is warning us about, these false prophets who are disguising themselves as people who belong to God, the gospel of Jesus teaches us that if they will confess and repent and believe in Jesus and his completed work, that these false prophets who are enemies to God and God's people can be changed, can be forgiven, that even these false prophets could have the hope of eternal life and eternal life because of the completed work of Jesus. That's the gospel. That though they are undeserving, though they are enemies to God, yet at the right time, in their weakest moment, Christ died for even them. David Platt says this. He says, everyone falls into one of these two categories. Either you've repented of your sins and Christ has changed your heart, or or it changed your heart and you're producing love, joy, peace, and other good fruit, or you're still trusting in yourself and rejecting Christ. I mean, a, a prophet, a false prophet, is one who is trusting in their self and rejecting Jesus. I'm going to give the appearance that I'm a person belonging to God, but the truth is I'm only here for the free food. I'm going to, I'm going to give the appearance that I'm someone who's denied self and taking up the cross and following Jesus. But the truth is, is my will be done. I'm going to ignore the cross. I'm going to follow myself. People who belong to Christ repent of their sins, take up their cross, follow Jesus, 
And in that, they produce the fruit that he desires for us to uh, produce. Ed Stetzer says this, If being a disciple is about taking on Christ's traits, which we talk a lot about, the Sermon on the Mount is about taking on Christ's traits, then producing fruit is about exhibiting the presence of Christ. How do we know if you're a false prophet, if I'm a false prophet, or if there's a false prophet among us? If someone is not producing the fruit of Jesus, if someone is not producing or exhibiting the presence of Jesus. Let's start in verse 15 again. Beware of false prophets who come in, uh, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. On the surface, false prophets seem like people who belong to Jesus. But after a while, through your patience through your discerning or asking God to help you discern, then you see the fruit that is produced. It takes a while. It takes, it's, it's almost as if Christ is calling us to a moment of patience and skepticism. We have to patiently wait for the fruit to be produced. We don't just jump on board immediately when we hear something that sounds right, but we need to be skeptical of it. That's why I'm asking you uh, on Sunday mornings as we study and preach together to also think through the, the text throughout the week and then study it once again on the next following Sunday, discussing it, measuring it, making sure that the plumb line is Jesus, seeing that it is truth and it's not about me or you, but instead it's all about Jesus. A moment of patience, a moment of skepticism, making sure that we as followers of Jesus are following Jesus and Jesus alone. Remember, what's the center of the Sermon on the Mount? The center is, thy will be done. So the fruit, in the context of what Christ is talking about, the fruit that he is talking, that the tree is going to bear, what a healthy tree looks like, is the fruit of righteous anger. Righteous prayer, righteous lust. Uh, What is it that we're hungry for? What is it that we're thirsty for? How are we loving our enemies? Or do we just see them as a a group of predators who don't deserve eternal life? How are we showing fruit in our giving, in our praying, in our fasting? These things that are not to be seen by others yet glorifying God and God alone. See, false prophets teach opposites of these, though they may sound very similar. We're going to take one example, the example of giving. How many times have you heard a good message, whether in a church setting or on the radio or on TV or in a book, and it was a message about giving, about righteous giving, If you'll do these things and you'll give like this, surely God will bless you. Just this past week, a radio station does their spring pledge drive. 
And during their spring, spring pledge drive, they talk over and over and over again about God calling you to give. If you'll do this, God will do this. If you'll do this, God will do this. If you don't do this, you're going to miss out. If you don't do this, these people will miss out. If you don't do this, these people will not hear the message of mercy. They will not hear the message of hope. They will not hear the message of truth. You have to. You have to give. It almost seemed like what Jesus taught until you began putting guilt upon me. When you began guilting me to give to your cause, then I recognized immediately, this is not from Christ. See, I don't know if you know this or not, but Christ came to remove your guilt. He didn't come to place more on you. He came to remove your guilt. He recognized from the beginning when you were born, really before you were born, that you were guilty, that I was guilty. He has no need to put more guilt on you. You had guilt enough, guilt enough to be deserving of death. Yet he came to remove your guilt. And in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, did he say, give, because if you don't, then these things will happen to you? No, he preached truth, kingdom truth, gospel truth, about what it really looks like to give as members of his kingdom, as those who have been adopted into his family, as those who have been purchased by his blood. This is what righteous giving looks like. So for a moment... For a moment, the message seemed righteous. The message seemed holy for a moment. But as we have patience and maybe a small amount of skepticism, we wait for the tree to produce fruit. And if the fruit that is being produced is not Christ, it is not from him. And that's a difficult, a difficult moment. And as we move to next week, Christ only begins to make things even more difficult. Let me just give you a preface of next week. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. See, those who belong to Christ were not purchased at a small price. And because of that, Christ's demand on our life is our life. Deny self, take up cross, follow him. And he is more than worthy of doing that for. Have you read about him? Have you seen what he's done for you? Have you heard about how much he loves you? Do you recognize that you are deserving and I'm deserving of wrath? But our God full abounding, overflowing with love, loves us so much that he would remove our guilt from us. And in fact, the only person that he would place guilt upon is himself, that he should become sin in your place, in my place, so that we may become the redeemed, so that we may become those belonging to him. Christ removed your guilt, placed it upon himself, received the wrath of God in your place so that we may have life and life eternal. Now that's hope. That's the things that should be being taught. I mean, the reality of this moment for the church is this. When Christ is talking to us and warning us about false prophets, it is a call for discipleship. 
It's not just a call for patience and skepticism, but truly is it a call? It is a call for discipleship. Can you imagine, parent or grandparent, can you imagine for a moment you have a child, the child begins crawling, and you know what's coming next, and you're praying, oh, I just can't wait for this moment. They're getting so close to the moment when they can walk. And then all of a sudden this new little baby crawls, sits up, crawls over to the wall, stands up, and you're saying, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, and they take their first step. And dads, maybe you can relate better than moms, but can you imagine at that moment, if you just stood up and started clapping and cheering, well, we did it. The baby took one step, I've completed my task, and I'm out. And you walk out of the baby's life forever. No, there's more to it, right? You know that. But how often, I mean, Christ is calling us to this. An indictment on the church is this. We cheer, we clap, we see someone, they're crawling. They recognize their sin. They recognize their need of a Savior. They confess Christ as Lord. Oh, praise God for new life. We baptize them. We, we even say we raise you in newness to walk in newness of life. And we cheer and we praise God. And they begin to walk and we say, we're done. Good luck with this life. Good luck with kingdom living. Be blessed. I hope you can do it. Oh, and be, beware, be cautious, that as you're out there, uh, Satan, I don't know if we've talked about him yet, but, uh, but he's like a, a wolf. He's like a lion. He wants to eat you. So good luck with that. Okay, see you later. The truth is, Christ is warning us about false prophets because he knows we need to be discipled. He knows that we need to hear his teachings and his commandments over and over again. That he has provided the way of escape. That he is the only hope. That apart from him, we can do nothing. That we have to abide in him every moment of every day as those people belonging to him. Take up cross, follow him, deny self. We cannot do it on our, on our own. We must have the power of Jesus to walk, to glorify to glorify him. False prophets are among us. In an age of information, you're receiving information that seems spiritual all the time. You hear things constantly that seems like something that Jesus would teach. Oh, eternal life is there, and if you'll just do these things, if you'll just do these things, then you too, possibly, maybe, just hopefully, can have these things too. It's not the call of Christ. Christ says, my work is completed. My sacrifice was enough. The blood that I shed can cover the sins of the entire world. My death satisfied the wrath of God. And because of that, your sins can be removed as far as the east is from the west. When you hear someone try and put guilt upon you, recognize it is not something from Christ, but something from someone who's a liar, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy you all for their own, for their own sake. Truth is, again, the truth is this. These false prophets who are wolves disguised as sheep, wolves disguised enemies, disguised as people belonging to God, the gospel says 
that even they can be saved. We as the people belonging to God should represent God so well that the presence of Jesus is made known. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we sift through an amount of information in our world that is overwhelming. God, as we scroll through Facebook and Twitter feeds, as we read newspapers and books and articles, and as more publications are being produced every day, God, help us to be people of discernment. God, and if we are easily persuaded people, that we put people in our lives that will disciple us, mentor us, and point us to Jesus. God, so that we are not easily persuaded, but instead we are people who are firm, like we sang earlier, who have assurance in Christ, firmly rooted, dwelling in you, God, we are asking that you would fill us with your knowledge of your will so that we would have wisdom and spiritual understanding of you. And that so, because of that, God, so that, so that we may walk in a manner worthy of you, Lord, fully pleasing to you and to you alone. God, then help us as we're abiding in you to bear fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you, God, being strengthened with all your power according to your glorious might so that we may have great endurance and patience. God, we thank you as our compassionate and overwhelmingly good Father that you've enabled us to share with other saints and the inheritance of light, that you've rescued us from darkness, from the kingdom of darkness, and transferred us into your kingdom because of how much you and your son love us. God, thank you for truth, for absolute truth, that we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins through the completed work of Jesus. God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, help us, those who consider themselves mature in Christ or are more, more mature in Christ than others, help us to disciple Help us to mentor in a way that people recognize the truth about Jesus, about what kingdom living looks like, that we may exhibit the presence of Jesus for the world to see. God, for those in this room this morning that constantly feel guilt, constantly feel burden and weight, God, help them to see the beauty of Christ. Help them to see the beauty of his completed work. God, help us to recognize 
the grace, the free gift that you've given us. And help us to trust wholeheartedly in Jesus. God, for those who have, who have not yet confessed Christ as Lord, may you continue to draw them, continue to work in their hearts, in their souls, in their minds, so that they may see Jesus. I pray that you would continue to give opportunity for salvation. God, I thank you so much for being a patient loving Father. Continue to work in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A moment of invitation. We'll sing a song together.